being here. If you've uh, gone off into the sunshine, then uh, obviously a very sensible decision as well. Um, we're going to focus in uh, this second half on um, how we can overcome evil. And uh, obviously one of the answers is by doing good. Um, but there is also, um, beyond, the basic, uh, beyond the, the basic sense that you overcome evil with good and doing good, and lots of the New Testament, when uh, talking about stuff that can upset or trouble a church, just says stuff like, bear with one another in love, uh, forgive each other, be nice, well, it doesn't say nice because that's a weak word, but it, it's sort of be nice to each other. If you're good mates with each other, it helps. If you pray with each other, it helps. All those basic things, that's the normal sort of New Testament answer for how do we uh, cope with evil. It's like, be good. <laughs> that's basically what it says. Um, but every so often, the Bible uh, opens up just a little flash window for us um, into the fact that we live in a spiritual battle. But as we say at uh, our church, we're also on a winning side. We're in a spiritual battle, but we're on a winning side. Um, it's very important both those things are owned and known by the church. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from absolute basics and accelerate quite fast through this. Um, so if you want to ask more questions at the end, uh, feel free. Um, but the, the Bible essentially, in a nutshell, teaches that there is a malevolent force out there who is out to get you. He wants to do three things with you. Uh, anyone know what they are? The devil, what does he want to do to you? He wants to, he wants to rob you or steal from you. He wants to, number two, he wants to kill you. And finally, he wants to destroy you. Okay, the devil goes around like a prowling lion. He wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you doesn't necessarily sound like the thing that you signed up to when you uh, got prayed for and had a nice little experience on an alpha course, does it? Um, oh, I want to be in a fight with an incredibly powerful angelic being who wants to rob me, steal from me, and, uh, and kill me and destroy me. It's worth just clocking what those three things mean. He wants to steal from you this incredible relationship that you have with God. You may even have been at work in this last session going, ha, 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 you didn't get anything, but she did. Ha, 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 ha. I'm going to steal your joy from this weekend. You know, That is a normal tactic from the devil. He loves to have a go and go, maybe you're rubbish. You're just the little pine cone you are. That's the, that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of voice that when you've got that voice going on your head, you have to know what you do with it. He also wants to kill you, um, which means basically... He wants you spiritually dead. He might want you physically dead as well. But spiritually dead often works well for him. There's a, um, a, one of those made-up stories of angels chatting together and they're trying to talk to the higher powers of, uh, of, of demons, the demons talking to each other, and higher powers of demons. And one of them says, I've got a great strategy. I'm going to kill that wonderful vicar. And um, then everyone's going to fall apart. Um, and another one says, well, I've got a wonderful strategy. I'm going to cause a, 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 a catastrophe, and uh, lots of people would die. Um, and the, uh, the third angel says, well, I've got a better strategy, a third demonic angel. Um, I'm going to absolutely destroy someone, even while they're still standing there. I'm going to make them bitter, twisted. So I'm going to make them lose their morality, lose their moral standing, and I'm going to rip them apart from the inside. <laughs> and out, and just let them affect everyone around them with negativity, sadness, and a sense of utter depression. So that's how far they could fall. And, um, you know, it's a made-up story. But we've seen it at work, haven't we, in different people's lives down the times, that someone who gets utterly robbed of their joy, 
gets spiritually dead and also spiritually destroyed so that there's no legacy at all. There's nothing to look back on. And all of us have to be aware that we are in danger from the enemy. Okay? None of us are strong enough to stop the full force of a massive angelic attack against us. We know this because of the angelic encounters we have in the Bible, don't we? An angel turns up talking to, say, Joshua or Daniel or uh, even Mary. Well, Mary sort of stands more than anyone else. But other Mary, they're all like, oh, get away from me. <coughs> Women seem to do better than the men, actually, to be fair. But um, the men generally are, get away from me. You know, I, I'm not worthy to see you. Angels are powerful and strong beings. They're essentially, we're told, they're sent to minister to God's elect, to you, his people. But as far as we can piece together the Bible, a third of the angels rebelled against God, possibly because humans were made, possibly because they didn't want to share their place in, in heaven with us lot. They didn't want to share their status with us lot, who are made um, so that we can be in relationship with God freely. And they rebel. And they become Satan and his minions. Um, Satan is just a fallen angel, probably on a par with Michael and Gabriel, so powerful, but limited as well. He can't be in all the different places at the same time. In other words, Satan can't be talking to you and you. <laughs> can't read your thoughts as far as we know. He is not God. He is not an equal and opposite force to God. He's just a naughty boy. <laughs> That's right, angel gone wrong. Yeah. But he is also incredibly powerful and incredibly dangerous. However, you have something in you, if you are a believer, that is a game changer. What do you have in you? Christ. Christ in you. And Jesus is the name at which every other name must, must bow. Yeah. So when Satan comes along and sees you on your own, he's like, you know, if it was like Darth Vader moment in Star Wars, you're like, you can't stand up against it. But if you are in Christ Jesus, and you are in Christ Jesus, if you can say that Jesus is Lord, then the thing that's in you is far more powerful even than this incredible fallen angel or one of his minions who are out there, these uh, demonic forces. And it says this very simply, if you resist the devil, he will from you. It's extraordinary. Can you sort of grapple with the amount of authority that has been given to you that you're able to tell a fallen, probably archangel, go away in the name of Jesus, and he has to go away. It doesn't say, go out and attack the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say, search for the devil to destroy him and rout him out and he will tremble before you. It doesn't say try and work out what he's doing, solve the spiritual conundrums that are hidden from everyone else, and then you'll be able to tie his hands behind his back and he won't be able to operate anymore. It says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The image is really, really important, and it's one that I sometimes teach on because in charismatic church, it's very easy for us to go AWOL on all this sort of stuff. Um, and the image is that you just stand firm in who you are in Jesus, and he has to flee from you. How does this work out? Well, temptation is one of uh, Satan's big things, isn't it? Temptation to uh, steal from you, to kill you or destroy you. So how could he steal from you, kill you, destroy you, steal your joy? 
Oh, it's amazing how hard it is to get out of bed on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Anyone ever find that? Sunday mornings are especially hard to get out of bed. You don't need to go to church today. You don't need to be with believers. You don't need to be there. These sort of thoughts come into your head, and you're like, ah. But if you, if you um, feel that temptation, you say, well, actually, that's a temptation that is... Um, no temptation has seized you except what is... Does anyone know what that is? Common to other people, Yeah. When you don't want to get out of bed on Sunday morning, neither does the vicar. <laughs> it's just a common temptation. You know, Satan doesn't want us gathering together to worship. And there's full-blown resistance going on every Sunday morning. Keep the believers away from each other. They might just catch fire. And that would be a problem. So the vicar, the curate, you, the worship leader, everyone are like, oh, I just don't want to get out of bed this morning. Netflix is on. Netflix is always on. <laughs> Amazing invention of whoever. Um, and, but it's a common temptation. That's quite good to know, though, isn't it? That whatever he's throwing at you is the same that he throws at you and you and you and you and you and you and you, yeah? One of the ways that Satan trips us up most easily is making us think, it's only you. Everyone else gets it. It's only you. If Mike knew how badly you sinned last night, he would never lick you in the face again. <laughs> so what, I've been ordained for 15 years. I am no longer even slightly surprised by what people do in their own privacy of their homes or whatever. It's you know, astonishing how depraved and bad we can all be. And that's people who've got Jesus in them. <laughs> Not only other people. We're wicked, but incredibly loved and redeemed and wonderful. And one of the Satan's things is, you are awful. You're terrible. No one could love you. No one could know you. No one wanted you to look in the eye. Isolate you. If you told anyone about this, that would be the end of X, Y, and Z. You know what they say about a problem shared? It's, uh, in spiritual terms, it's even more important. If you confess your sins to a fellow brother or sister, it doesn't have to be a priest, a fellow brother and sister say, I've been struggling with this. I've got this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Something of the power of that just disappears like that. No temptation has seized you except what is common to other people. And it also says, and God is faithful, he will always provide a way out so that you can get out from underneath it. I've tested this one to the max. I don't know if you ever have. You've sort of been tempted. You're tempted, like, if I do this thing... uh, Have you done the Freedom in Christ course? Down at the lantern? This is the best illustration of this because it's sort of slightly neutral. Um, guy goes into um, the supermarket. He's like, I'm not going to buy chocolate. But he drives to the supermarket anyway. And he uh, walks along the aisles. hasn't got anything he wants to buy. Stops at the confectionery aisle. Looks at the chocolate. He's like, I'm not going to buy the chocolate. And so he picks it up. Smells it. Thinks I could give some chocolate to someone else. <laughs> buys five big packs of it. Takes it to the checkout. And before he's got anywhere near the car, he's scoffed half a bar of chocolate. And that's how it so often works, isn't it? For much more significant sins. No one wakes up in the morning and goes, Whee! I'm going to commit adultery in six years' time. You know, the incremental little things. And we just fall into traps, you know? Um, but God is always faithful. He provides a way out under it. And the amount of times when I've been about to do some sin that I won't go into any of them, particularly right now, um, but if you need the encouragement of knowing how bad my sins are, then you can ask me. Um, the, um, someone rings. 
Or an email comes in, or Nicola sends uh, some message on WhatsApp or something like that. And I'm like, because I want to sin. (laughs) Um, But I also don't want to sin. And the amazing thing is that God is always at work to provide a way out for us. Satan's trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. But God, who is not an equal and opposite force on the shoulders, but is far more powerful and has already defeated Satan, is always providing a way out for us. So we don't have to sin anymore. And the power of cancelled sin has been broken over us. One of the most important things, and the Freedom Christ course, if you've never done it, is very helpful for this, is knowing that the battle for your life is often going on in your mind. And uh, one of the ways of understanding this verse from 1 Corinthians, uh, I think, chapter 10, verse 12, 13, is to imagine that you are an airport uh, controller at an airport on a tower. Yeah? You've heard this analogy. You've done the course. And there's all these um, planes trying to come into land, you know, lust, gluttony, jealousy, hatred, envy. They're all trying to come into land, as are some good things like oh, I could read my Bible today, plain, or how about praying, or how about encouraging someone, or comforting someone, or giving a prophecy to someone, or shining a lantern out to someone. And you get to decide what lands in your mind. You're in charge. And once you know that you're in charge, it changes things a little bit. I'm going to receive today the plane that says I'm a child of God. I'm going to receive today the plane that says... Little people can make a big difference in the world, thinking about Nicola's teaching this morning. The people who seem to be insignificant, if they do good things well for God's glory, can be really significant. Look through the Bible, people who have retired years ago can be incredibly massive in the kingdom of God. I'm going to receive the truth that God has purposes for me and plans for me and accepts me and calls me significant and secure. And as I receive more of those things, there's less room in the airport now, for other planes to land. <laughs> if I'm pushing all those things out and choosing to be isolated, then there's lots of room for the devil to attack, isn't there? I'm trying to resist him, but sometimes on my own, I'm pretty weak. If I phone a friend on the way in, um, then maybe, maybe it'll help. Oh, Dave, I'm going to the supermarket to buy chocolate. <laughs> I don't want to buy chocolate. Um, could I come for a drink with you instead? Dave's like, oh, flip me. I was supposed to be doing the laundry at home. <laughs> hey, let's go for a drink. <laughs> you know, it's free. It makes a difference when you've got a mate, doesn't it? If you confess that you've got a problem, it's all the difference in the world. Made-up statistic. Nine out of ten pastors wish that someone beat their door down saying, I think I'm about to go off the rails. <laughs> uh, at three o'clock in the morning, but then wake up three weeks later to a family that's been torn apart. Okay. The, um, the story I finished with last night, the incredible, incredible friend of mine who, who took his life, what was extraordinary was the, the week after that, we'd invited a guest speaker to our church who was a wonderful man. And he, just to, we were talking about supernatural things, and he wanted to illustrate his talk. And his talk began with, many years ago, I felt God was talking to me, and um, I thought he was telling me the wrong thing. Because <laughs> he seemed to be saying to me, I want you to drive to this person's house and knock on their door. And I knew that they were out of the country. <laughs> um, 
and their son was off at university. So I knew there was no one there. So I said, God, no, I can't go there. There's no one in. Um, and God says, no, I want you to go there. This is, this is why we're trying to learn these nudges now, because sometimes they can be really important to be able to act on them. And he's like, go there, Christopher, go there. And he, um, and he says in the end, I, I went to prove God wrong. <laughs> I'm like, God, you're wrong. There's no one there. I know they're out. They're out of the country. Knocks on the door. There's no answer. He's like, God, you're wrong. <laughs> and he, God's saying clearly to him, right, I want you to go in through the side fence, um, walk through the garden, go out of the back gate of the garden into the field that's there, walk along four houses, go in through that gate, and see what you find when you get there. It does it, it goes through, walks along. You, you get those, that clarity by trusting God, by being faithful with small things, you learn more. And he, you know, he wasn't a brilliant minister, he was trying to do the opposite thing to God, he was more Jonah, but he goes along, goes through that gate, and in there is the, the uh, university-aged son of the couple who are in that house talking to a girl. She's like freaked out, what's this middle-aged bloke looking through my garden for? Um, and the, the, the guy goes... Oh, what are you doing here? And Christopher says, you tell me, what am I doing here? I just felt God tell me to come here and knock on the door. And she looks at her friend, this student, and says, you better tell him. And he says, oh, this is going to make me emotional, I'm sorry. He says, wow, bearing in mind I'm hearing this the week after hearing about my friend give his life. He says, I've come back home to take my life can't stand university. I was praying on the way here that God would send someone to me to tell me it was all right. This is why we learn to listen to the voice of God, yeah? And, and he, he taught him, counseled him. Apparently this guy is now in ministry, this, um, this student. But Christopher said, I resolved there and then that whenever I got a nudge from God, no matter how stupid it might be, no matter if it was a thistle or a exhibit B, <laughs> cricket box, <laughs> or whatever, if God wanted to speak through that, he wants to speak through it. And, uh, you know, God gives us armor to protect us. I brought in the cricket stuff because it was just outside. He gives us things that will hold us. I wonder, actually, some of you sort of like, oh, he's holding up a cricket box. I wonder if a few of us need to know that God wants to protect this bits of our bodies. You know? That wouldn't be the worst lesson to take away from this weekend. What's holy is holy, you know. Keep it where it should be. <laughs> but the resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It seems to me is that... Could you take this, Barry? Have you got a spare hand there? It seems... I'm naked at cricket, but it seems to me that he bowls you a ball and you play a straight bat and he just goes away again. And as long as you remember you've got a bat, he's not allowed to do it beyond what you can bear. He's not allowed to tempt you beyond what you can bear because that's the limitation that Jesus has said. There will always be a way for you to resist. You can always play the right stroke if you want to. He's not allowed to overwhelm you to the point where you can't deal with it. If he's overwhelming you to the point you can't deal with it, that's because you've collaborated and you've given in. That's the point where you're kneeling down in front of your computer screen and worshipping it as you choose to keep looking at that image. That's the point where you're saying, I'm going to worship this image rather than worship the Lord Jesus. 
And if you've decided to turn your back on him to that point, then it's, it's, it's not Satan who's won. It's you who's conceded. That's worship of an, of an idol. So he wants you to know that if you resist him, Jesus wants you to know. Resist me, flee from him. Jesus was tempted in ways that are paradigmatic for us. He was tempted with power. He was tempted with the shortcut. He was tempted with glory. He was tempted with just providing for his own needs. And he just quoted scripture back, didn't he? He had scripture to quote back. And, and then he was tempted by one of his best mates saying to him, not the cross. You don't need to go to the cross. What, what do you want to go there for? We're just beginning to win now. The building project's taking off. We're going to be the best church in, I don't know, what, what county are you in? Dorset or something? You know, we're going to be the greatest church in Dorset. Let's just go for greatness. What did Jesus say to St. Peter, the one on whom he'll build the church? Get behind me, Satan. Satan is saying there's a shortcut to glory. Satan is saying it's not going to cost you. It's Satan who's going to say you don't have to give your life for the kingdom to advance. That's Satan. And he just says, well, the principal in my college um, quoted from a film where someone says, buzz off bozo to a, to a clown. Some of you might have seen that film. Just buzz off bozo. It's, it's just like, get behind me, Satan. It's like, go away. Practically, how do we do this? We said we're going to not just talk, but try and train. I want to do a repeat after me exercise, okay? Um, okay, uh, all I want you to say is, go away, Satan, okay? One, two, three. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, one, two, three. Okay, you are now a fully trained, qualified exorcist for your own life. That's literally all you need to know about protecting yourself in the sphere that God's put you in. When you're tempted like that, all you have to do is resist the devil and he will go away. Okay? It's really simple stuff. It's really straightforward stuff. Um, that's our time stop. We're going to just stand.